Hello and welcome to the Knowledge of Nothing podcast. Each week we will share with you our thoughts and opinions about the pop culture world. I am your host, Brian, a comic book nerd who thinks of himself as a low-level superhero. And I'm your anti-host, Tony, a movie buff with an unhealthy obsession for overanalyzing anything and everything. And when we're not fighting crime, we're podcasting. Let's get it started. Boom! Sweet. Sweet. So, Tony. Yeah. Who's that masked man behind the curtain? That masked man is Wayne. For all of you out there, Wayne has been the person that pieced together that first episode that you heard. It took a lot of effort to listen to our voices. Wayne told us that he had nightmares with our voices for the entire week. So, just imagine hearing us in your head for an entire week editing, making sure it sounded succinct. I'm already going crazy. I know, right? That's the pure genius of Wayne. He has the tireless job of trying to make us sound audible and good and hopefully funny. And I don't envy his job at all, but we couldn't do the show without him. Thank you very much, Wayne. You're the hardest working person on the show. And Wayne, uh, take it away. Thank you guys. You guys are very generous, very kind. And honestly, the funny part, you guys have that in spades. For me, I have my job is just to make you guys sound as good as possible. So, And it wasn't an easy task, and you, you made it happen. So thank you. A lot of convincing. Yes, I know. Yeah, I think I, I think I gave him a bottle of whiskey. Which did you buy anything, Wayne? Oh, I bought myself a bottle of double rye, man. Nice. Oh, good stuff, man. So yeah, he's going to be joining us for a new segment that we call Pop Quickies. It was quick questions last week. We actually think Pop Quickies is probably more of a, a funny kind of segment. So our geek and review topic for this week is going to be Borat 2. You know, that came out a couple of weeks ago on Amazon Prime. We all watched it. I, I forced Brian to watch it. I knew it probably would not be his cup of tea. It was a forced homework assignment. And you're right. It was not my cup of tea. But there's a lot to discuss about Borat 2. Well, no, he did his homework and he actually watched the first Borat, which he had never seen before. And he also watched the second one. So out of those two, which one do you prefer? The second one. Absolutely. It was a father-daughter story, and there's a lot of character growth. And the actress who played his daughter, Tutar, brought a lot of heart to the film, and I really liked it. Yes. All right. Cool. And uh, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, the first one to me is a classic. I have a, a whole memory of why that was classic to me. I got to see it at comic-con in 2006 three months before it even came out uh so it has a special memory for me but the second one had more of a story had more of a character arc so spoiler alert we're going to talk about some things in borat that kind of bothered us a little bit to avoid borat 2 and south park pandemic special spoilers skip to 1331 one of the things that bothered me was that whole scene in the uh the south that took place at the dance oh Oh my gosh, that scene uh, just disturbing. The scene, or the part where Borat turns to some guy and asks him how much for his daughter, and then that guy's daughter is standing right there, and then just gives him like the most disgusting look yes. on her he face. Was, was he was just, me in that scene. 
Oh, I, me too. Like it just, it was gross and cringeworthy. It's just, but that's what the whole film was about. You know, just pointing out the worst parts of stereotype people. And it was disturbing. I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but they made it into a funny scene. But man, just the fact that somebody would just even comment on uh, on something like that um, was gross. Yeah, and you know the thing that really got the big headlines was uh, the the whole Rudy Giuliani scene. And I don't know if people have seen that yet, but I thought it was a big to do about nothing. It it really didn't it didn't come off as like creepy. I think Giuliani was creepier in the damn interview than he was in the bedroom part. I mean, it was just him going down and getting his mic. He was creepy though in the interview. He's just like, you know what shocks me about that whole scene? What's that? Is Rudy Giuliani's security. How do they let Borat, uh, we find out, uh, run back in wearing what he's wearing, just pass everybody into a room, into, into everything, and He's just dressed inappropriately and he's spotting off. That's my daughter. She's too old for you. <laughs> you know? yeah, and, uh, I know. Trying to make a big joke, but let's, let's talk about his security. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> you know, just anybody can walk into this room. What's yeah, going on not? with that? I, apparently he, he walked in on uh, Mike Pence, but you said that he, you did a little research on that and you found out that he'd actually went in that bathroom for five hours. Is that correct? Five hours. He dressed up like president Trump in that bathroom and waited in that stall for five hours, just just sitting there or just standing there. I don't know. Just what do you do for five hours in a bathroom stall? I mean, like just the thought of that kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit. Just <laughs> listen to everybody do their business and then whatever weird conversations and then the smells you must have had in there. Oh my gosh, just the 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 commitment he showed you being a person that has never seen Borat. I mean, what do you think of the character? Did you like it? Did you not? I mean, did you find something else that was maybe comparable? My first reaction to Borat was I didn't care for it. Okay. It's a cringeworthy film. I was uncomfortable with a lot of um, the content and reflecting on it and doing the research that, that you already hit on. There was a lot that went into making this film. And I really respect everybody who put in the work to it, especially Sasha Baron Cohen and um, the un- young actress he hired to play his daughter, but their commitment is is unmatched to anybody else. I mean, they really wanted this film made and to come out a certain way, and I really respect that. And it was funny, but if I watched it, I probably would not have rewatched it again or done any of the research that I did. But shockingly, my inner Tony came out. What? And I took a movie that I didn't care for initially. Oh, yeah. And I rewatched it and I watched a lot of interviews. I read up on it and I found an appreciation for it. I wouldn't say that I loved it because you're so hot and cold. Either you hate it one day and then, oh my gosh, it's the best movie, life-changing movie I've ever seen. (laughs) But in this instance, I do appreciate the movie. I think it's uh, it will totally be dated put it in the archives for something that came out during COVID. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we'll see, maybe we should revisit this, uh, this movie in four yeah. years, you know, when the next election week happens. As I was watching the movie too, I, I it really kind of struck me that it, it kind of hit the same chord that the South Park pandemic special hit. And again, it was one of those things where 
you kind of come to for, find out that Borat has spread the disease throughout the world, the coronavirus. And in South Park, you find out that it was Randy Marsh. Actually, Borat was injected with gypsy tears. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but then yeah, it was gypsy tears, and then he spread it around the world. But uh, yeah, and Randy Marsh, on the other hand, uh, had some, uh, how, how do we want to say this? Some inter... Some interspecies yeah, mating. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> interspecies mating was probably what it was. You know, there was also a, a beloved character that everybody seems to love so much. Yeah, <laughs> it was a coupling. But that episode to me was just absolutely one of the best things I've seen all year. Uh, South Park, the pandemic special, because it hit every single note. I also found that the ending. I don't know why it affected me so much because hold on, hold on. Before before you jump onto the ending, let's go a little bit more into the episode. One South Park, it was a little less cringeworthy for me. I'm more aware of South Park. I've seen South Park. I was an avid watcher for a long time, but South Park made me realize we're all living in a cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, where yeah, this year has actually been that. Yeah, it has been, oh my God, I'm in a South Park episode. Everything that that they were making fun of were actual events that are happening, whether it be here where we're currently at or in other places around the world. And of course, they embellish and make and, it funny. And on top of that, I don't know if anybody heard, but uh, California made some announcements about Thanksgiving this year. When I heard those guidelines, I honestly felt like it was an Onion article. I mean, it was just, it's, they're so absurd. Make sure that you don't yell. Uh, make sure that you, you, you cover your mouth before each bite. It's a little bit on the ridiculous side. But thank goodness we are allowed to use the restroom, but only if it's properly sanitized afterwards. <laughs> yes. I, but yeah, to your point, the whole South Park episode just really touched upon everything that's been going on this year. Uh, even in the classroom. I, oh, my gosh. There was a scene there with Token. I did not think they were going to go there, and they absolutely did. And it was hysterical. And he ended up getting shot, and it was a COVID-related incident. Because it happened during COVID, it is COVID-related. And that way you chalk that up to another number. But then you get to the end of that episode. And to me, I felt so like relieved after 24 years, you finally get a redemption from Cartman and you're feeling for him. And he's just, you know, he feels for Kyle. He's trying to take care of Kyle. And then all of a sudden at the end, this kick in the, you know, where in the groin just comes out of nowhere. And Again, that reeked of this year. You keep getting hope, and then it keeps reminding you by kicking you in the groin that it's not over yet. So that, to me, was just something that really resonated with me. I feel they did a lot better of a job with Borat 2. Borat 2 I did enjoy because there was a little bit more um, character arcs with his, I guess you call victims, especially the guys that he was in camp with for, what, five days, you said, Brian? Yeah, so he was in that basement with those with those guys who took him in at the beginning of the pandemic and he stayed in character for five days to film those scenes. But, but they even had a, they, they started out as creepy. And then by the end of it, you were, they're like, wow, they come to uh, enjoy Borat and they actually want to help him go see his daughter. That to me was endearing. And they had their own like mini 
arc inside the story, but it was... Uh, yeah, they were definitely odd. And at the beginning of the scene, I'm just thinking to myself, oh no, what's going to happen in this basement? These guys, they're going to pick on them again. And you were surprised that it didn't go that way. Well, they they started to a little bit. They were explaining the pandemic and they're looking up QAnon sites. And, <laughs> but then when Borat was talking about the troubles that he was having with his air quotes, teenage daughter, and some of his beliefs, they kind of said, no, you can't treat women like that. They had a really redeeming quality to that. And I thought that was nice. They kind of helped Borat see that, you know, maybe women aren't livestock. Maybe women aren't, you know, know, pets that should be kept in cages and chained up with balls and chains. And then these guys, these really weird basement dwellers decided to go help him find his daughter. And that was kind of a nice moment. In a weird movie. Yeah, I know, in a very <laughs> weird movie. So yeah, that was pretty much it. So what were your thoughts on South Park real quick? Just kind of wrap up this segment. South Park's more my cup of tea. It was great. It was funny. It was very relatable because the way South Park structured the episode, it happened in the chain of events that I feel like that we're actually living through. Mm-hmm. And it was South Park. It's meant to be offensive and cringeworthy, but it was funny and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it too. I felt it was very endearing. And like I said, that last three minutes was just something else. So that concludes this segment of the podcast. And it would be remiss of us if we did not bring up the thing that we have been looking forward to this entire year. It was the Mandalorian. Mandalorian season two, episode one premiered this past Friday on Disney plus the Mandalorian is something that all of us are holding dear to. Brian has a little bit of a story about it, and I'm sure Wayne does too. So I'm going to have them kind of fill you in on what their thoughts are on The Mandalorian. Yeah, I definitely have thoughts. I really like the old Western feel, the whole gunslinger type feel to The Mandalorian, Chapter 9. My thought is, though, it, it definitely... Wait, wait, before we get to that point, talk about like you watched The Mandalorian with your son. Yes. So my son and I really like The Mandalorian. We watch it as a family, but my son... We've bonded over the show and it's kind of cool because I grew up watching Star Wars uh, movies and really liking that only bonding with my friends over it, you know, not really my, yeah. my family, but for my son and I, he's really taken to the Mandalorian. And in fact, he was uh, the Mandalorian for Halloween this year. Wow. You see, and that's the thing. I think this has resonated more so with folks uh, I think this year than anything that has come since the original trilogy. Well, in my, my when you opinion. lock everybody up in their houses for eight months and there's no new content for anything, this is going to be just like cake and ice cream and fireworks and oh my god, something new and something cool, and we could watch it now, and I don't have to leave my house. And thank goodness <laughs> that this dropped. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. That is a very good analogy, there, Brian. Thank you for that. (laughs) Let's get on with the show. Come on. I know. Anyway, Wayne, do you have any thoughts on Star Wars before or or The Mandalorian last season? My general thoughts on The Mandalorian as a series, I'm really happy with what it is. And I think I'm echoing with what you guys said. It feels like something that's very much OG Star Wars. Yeah. And my primary 
kind of a fanboy aspect I really enjoy about it is that the throwback to the inspirations for the original Star Wars, specifically the Akira Kurosawa films. And I felt all those vibes throughout the series. So I've been very happy watching these. And we can't thank enough John Favreau and David Filoni for this. I, it's, it's just a masterpiece, in my opinion. I, I get excited just as like I was a little kid. I get to do this every single week, watch a new episode and get excited about it. I remember I had to wait three years in between the, the original trilogy films. We won't even talk about the prequels. The only thing about the prequels is that was where I bonded with my oh, daughter. Right. I took Thank her God out. you didn't say Jar Jar Binks. I thought you were going to. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> to avoid Mandalorian Chapter 9 spoilers, skip to 2533. So we're going to go ahead and talk about Chapter 9, The Marshal. Why don't you go ahead and start off with it, Brian? Well, it was great. One, I, I love Westerns. I love, you know, the whole gunslinger type setting. But for those of you who remember the movie Tremors, it had a very Tremors feel to it. And we all know how, yeah, how the... You were saying it was Dune this morning. Now, now well, you're no, saying no, Tremors asked, because of... Because you're, doing, you're saying that because of Wayne. No, no, no. I remember the old Kevin Bacon movie and him pole vaulting over rocks just to get rid of these little <laughs> things. And we called them graboids and or something like that and trimmers. But we all know that these things have to swallow the explosives to die, right? To blow up. Yes. But my question isn't so much about the episode itself. It's about Boba Fett and his armor. And I know what up until know? The Mandalorian... Everybody thought Boba Fett was the biggest badass in the galaxy, but I'm not convinced. What made this guy so cool other than his armor? Because he hasn't done anything that's cool or neat or really anything. Darth Vader is the one who convinced uh, Han Solo to go into the Carbonite. And well, convinced him. I don't well, think he convinced he kind of, him. Let's go to the first family dinner with my girlfriend and her father. And he's, you know, I'm going to shoot a blaster at him. Wow. But the cool thing about yeah, that. Yeah, let's hear it is then once the carbonite right happened but right? Boba Fett had no effect in that other than the carbonite add the badass what what did what did Boba Fett actually do and then he goes out like a chump falls in that scarlet because somebody accidentally hit his jetpack i mean what a way to go out so here's here's okay. what i'm thinking Boba Fett one not a mandalorian he's wearing the armor but he's an imposter he did not study the mandalorian culture he was not raised in that culture he's just wearing the armor kind of like the marshal so i'm convinced anybody wearing boba fett's armor is an imposter they're not <laughs> they're not mandalorians they're just like wow thank goodness i got this armor that's gonna save me from a couple of blasters you're kind of bringing up a, a great point because i mean if you think about it jango fett yeah. Was his right. dad. But even they, he did something just... kind of cool. He had that brief little battle before he ran away with Obi-Wan. But yeah. again, didn't really hold a candle to any of the Jedi during that fight scene. You know, went up against Mace Windu and lost his head. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, true. Either you're a Mandalorian or you're not. Just because you wear the armor doesn't mean you are. And up until this oh. show, everybody thought that Boba Fett was this badass in the galaxy, but I'm not so convinced anymore. I think he was kind of a chump. You know, that might be a very unpopular opinion, but Oh my God, that's going to be a huge unpopular opinion. Oh well, opinion. I'll call it like I see it. You tell me the one cool thing he's ever done. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you have to think this hard, he probably hasn't done it. 
Um, he shoots a missile from his back. Where? When? The the marshal did that. I've never seen Boba Fett fire anything off. Oh, anyway, <laughs> whatever. He, he, he's such an iconic well, character. Why? Because okay. he dies. Because he looks badass. Because he looks badass. Right? There you go. So yeah, it's there with the um, who's the Chrome Stormtrooper? Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. Yeah, Kasma. she hasn't done anything cool either. I know she keeps dying in every right. single. She has the Boba Fett syndrome. I know, and which was, was such a waste of that. Both character. characters. I, now I that know, I know that look- Mandalorians are awesome and badasses, I really think that they missed the boat with Boba Fett. <laughs> they did. <laughs> right? Sh- Show them all in a Scarlet right. Pit. Let's get it going. Okay. I can't even come up with a comeback for that. Well, I mean, geez, you, you've got me. I'd love to hear once. one if you ever do. <laughs> oh, wow. Back to a South Park reference. The member berries are running high with this episode. Oh. and. I, what, what do you mean the member berries are, are huge because you one? see the armor know. they talk about this uh, the sarlacc pit the, you know they're on tatooine they talk about cities in tatooine i mean come on they even <sighs> show images on how other people on other planets saw the death star blowing up for the second time that was cool there was a, re- a redundancy. The pod racers and even the little droids that that the woman was using to to fix uh, the Mandalorian yeah. ship. I mean, all these are member berries, and they throw it down hard in this episode. And why the hell are you watching the series if they're not going to have these references to no, all of these cool things? I like them. I, I want member berries. I'm a big fan of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not knocking you? it. I like it. You are knocking it. You were just knocking, I'm knocking it right Boba now. Fett because he's a chump. <laughs> well, he is kind of a, he is a little bit of a chump, but you know what? So what? He's still badass. He's still you can't tell me that at the end of that episode that you did not like get chills up and down your spine when he turned around and you oh, knew I Boba did Fett. not know it was Boba Fett. For one, let's talk about that scene. How did you let's not know that was that scene? One day, this little thin guy. You're you're looking at this dusty old town that's not even on the map anymore. This guy strolls into the bar. Everybody in this town is they look like their their spirits are broken. They're dirty. They're dusty. And here's this guy who walks in wearing Boba Fett gear, takes off the helmet. His hair is perfect. He looks like he could be on some kind of model calendar. And this guy, it was Timothy guy, but my gosh, he does not look like he's part of that town. Everybody in that town needs some dental work, needs some health care plan, needs a full meal, needs a shower. And here he comes. He's looking like Mr. GQ in the Star Wars world. Like, okay. And I oh. decided I think I'm going to cover my face and call myself the Marshal. Wow. You are really totally took right me now. out of it. I mean, I wanted to see some kind of haggard, old Clint Eastwood type of character. And instead, I got a supermodel. And he looks good, but yeah. no, that doesn't really fit. <laughs> wow. I actually did like a lot of the Prey <laughs> Dragon stuff. I'm not even going to touch that because I I think it was uh it did feel a little bit redundant battling something else. It, it felt like a episode. What was the episode in uh, the first season where they get the villagers together? Yeah, against those uh, those. You know, seven, it was kind of like Seven yeah. Samurai, right? It kind of felt that way. But this, what I really liked about this episode was that he had to bring two factions that did not like each other together. To kind of fight this thing, and I thought that was cool. I no, it's cool. Why am I? Why am I? I'm I'm having a brain. Which fart character right now? No, I, the, the Sand People. Oh, what the are people. the yeah, Tuscan Raiders? Yeah, the Tuscan Raiders. I loved seeing them 
and in their element and what they were all about and even the, the way they were communicating i w- i was fascinated by all of that i wanted more of that tuscan raider stuff because that was awesome i i liked how the obi-wan voice was a kickback to episode four when he's trying to scare off the tuscan raiders he actually uses the crate dragon voice to kind of scare them off that was pretty awesome that, that was, was a nice cool. pull i i like and then also when they pulled out the pearl, that was kind of a deep dive as well, because that pearl is used to make lightsabers. And this whole crate dragon thing is very similar to a mission that you play in my favorite Star Wars game of all time, Knights of the Old Republic. So I just loved everything about this episode. I get what you're saying about the member berries, but that's what I loved about it. And then the sad thing about this segment is I can't even defend Boba Fett. Well, I'm not knocking the member berries part. You know, like I said, I like it. I, know, I, I want more yeah, of I, it. I, and Bring it in. You know what, people? If you can, if you can debate Brian on this, <laughs> give me the subject. Email no, us. Our fan, our fan at knowledge So I can, I can have something to battle with him. But right now, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I can't. I cannot defend Boba Fett. I can't. Yeah. And oh. yeah. Well, there you go. That's the whole. Don't even waste your time trying it. I. <laughs> well, we'll see. But anyway, so overall, what did you? So you liked it. Even though you've got all these criticisms no, I, I, about I loved it. it. I'm I'm so hooked on the show. I will be I yeah. love it after you have yeah, all this, I mean, these I, issues. You know, my only real issue with the whole Star Wars anything is probably Jar Jar Binks. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Touchy subject. I know. Very touchy but subject. I, I love this episode. I can't wait for um chapter 10. And yeah, yeah, I don't know what else I can say about it, but it, it's it's something I look forward to every week. All right, there you go. So we'll be talking about that, the Mandalorian, all season long. So please make sure that you tune in and hear our thoughts. Uh, next things up, we're going to do pop quickies. So let's start off with something uh, like we kind of a segue from part two from last week. Let's go with the superheroes. I'll leave it to you guys who wants to answer first. All right. All right. Uh, Brian goes first. <laughs> should superheroes be immortal? And if not, if a superhero dies, should they stay dead or have a successor? Um, I do not believe superheroes should be immortal. They need something to live for. Um, if you kind of take death out of the equation, I don't think there's much consequence in their actions. So should should they be able to die? Yes. And should there be a successor? No, should they stay oh, should dead? They stay dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, that just kind of bears weight and brings gravity to the situation that their actions have consequences and they could die. And should they stay dead? Absolutely. So about successors, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, um, I like sidekicks, but I don't think their sidekick should take on their mantle of their mentor. And I will disagree with you on okay. that. Okay. It depends on the story. Okay. There's bad ways of doing successors. And uh, as you know, after the death of Superman, we had five Superman. Right. The clones and the robots. That was horrible. That was a horrid, horrid concept. It was dumb. And then it ended up being another Superman, didn't it? It was like we had five Supermans and then it ended up being a sixth one. I'm going to say there was one I thought was done right. And that was the Grant Morrison take on Batman and Robin. I loved the fact that Dick Grayson, Nightwing, took up the mantle and had Damien, who was Batman's son, as Robin. I love that story. I love that dynamic. I love Nightwing trying to kind of 
fill those boots. I, I also enjoyed the story, but never fully bought into Dick Grayson being Batman. One, what was wrong with him being Nightwing? Nightwing is already an established hero. He's respected as a hero. He's no longer viewed as a sidekick. So then to take on the mantle of a Batman just seemed unnecessary to me. But the take on it, I thought was original. Batman or Nightwing is now going to be the father figure of Batman's son. Yeah. I mean, that's a great dynamic. And Damien just being his uh, Damien self and crazy. uh, Yes. Crazy and nuts. I don't know. I I loved it. On to the next question since we wasted about five minutes on there. (laughs) All right. Mel Brooks or Monty Python. Oh, I like Mel Brooks. I do. There's some really good things, but uh, Monty Python is it for me. It always has been, always will be. Monty Python to me is uh, something that I take great joy in. They have helped me develop my humor over the past uh, years of my life. And they also helped my daughter as well. I remember her being four years old. I sat her down and we watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I knew the scene with the Black Knight was coming up. I was unsure how she was going to react to this, a four-year-old. Either she was going to be disgusted and scarred by it. The minute the arm goes off, my daughter lets out the biggest laugh I've ever heard a four-year-old say. And then when he keeps cutting and cutting other limbs off, she is just rolling hysterically. So just, I love them. I also love Mel Brooks a lot. Robin Hood Men in Tights, Spaceballs, Young Frankenstein. But uh, my vote would have to go with Monty Python. I kind of mirror everything Tony has been saying about it. I can't say enough good things about the search for the Holy Grail. It's so quotable. It's timeless. I often ask myself, could an African swallow fly distances (laughs) if it's holding a coconut and and bring out your dead and, and it's merely a flesh wound? I can't say enough. But yes, Monty Python. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Next question. What supervillain is the most misunderstood? Mr. Freeze. He does everything in his power to save his beloved Nora, which is his wife. And she unfortunately was caught up in a tragic accident and where he now needs to keep her frozen in an ice to keep her alive. So all of his bad deeds is for him to get the equipment that he needs to either find a cure and help Nora not need to be cryogenically frozen to save her life. So I understand the reasoning behind him breaking the law, doing these bad things, because it's all for a purpose. And without that purpose, I actually don't think he would be a bad person. Wow. Uh, Along the same lines, uh, Magneto is it for me. Magneto is somebody that had some really hard circumstances and his whole story arc is that he's out for revenge on all of the human race. He feels that we are inferior to the X-Men's and the mutants, and he wants to annihilate us because he has seen the worst of it. He was a survivor from Auschwitz, and that is why I can totally see where he's coming from. All right, next question. All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Anchorman or Zoolander? (laughs) Oh, Anchor man. Anchor man. I mean, it's, it's a I, man. I hope you were going to go with another one. I, I, I wanted either Ricky Bobby or, oh. or Ron Burgundy. Okay. Well, why anchor man though? Ron Burgundy is just a, 
May I have your attention? I need everyone's attention for a very important announcement. <laughs> Cannonball! <laughs> just, just so over the top, crazy, not aware of his situation, doesn't realize how ridiculous he is or how politically incorrect because he just yeah. thinks that, hey, I'm the coolest person in the room and I'm going to act like that. That reminds me of me sometimes a little bit, you know? <laughs> and he also plays a mean flute too, you know? <laughs> just like the most useless instrument. Oh, I, I've got some friends that play flute. Never mind. Uh, but he, he just makes makes it look cool. Yeah. He, and he's oblivious. And he also is a leader too with his cohorts. Right. His band of brothers. His band of brothers who are just as obnoxious and oblivious to anything else. Just these guys just think they're the coolest things that ever happened. Yes. And you look at them and go like, I want to have a beer with these guys. What's going on with, these, with them? Couldn't you make the same argument though for Zoolander? Cause they think they're the coolest things in sliced bread. They also have a crew, but I might not want to have a beer with them. What was the drink? They was it like orange frappuccino or something. God. See there, there you go. You just made your case right there. Let's go, let's go back to superheroes. What is your ideal superpower set? Pick your best three. Oh, man. All right. Super intelligence for me. That'd be my number one. For me, it would be uh, flying. I just recently moved. If I could work where I worked, and if I could fly back and forth, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd go with my second one as teleportation, kind of like Nightcrawler in the X2 movie. That way I just, I wouldn't be late for anything. I just roll out of bed, brush my teeth, brush my hair. You wouldn't want to hear the air flowing through your, your locks of hair. Oh wait, yeah. Never mind. No, I'm not a fan <laughs> of the cold and it would be pretty cold up there in those altitudes. And you're doing the lazy thing. You just want to do the lazy thing, right? Poof, I'm there. Yeah. That's lazy. <laughs> Super intelligence would be my second one because again, I want to make sure that uh, I thought every angle over. And for the guy that overanalyzes and overthinks everything, yeah, I think the super intelligence, man, I would never get anything done. I, I, I have a hard time getting things done now, as we all know, but <laughs> even more so if I had super intelligence, but it's something that I would love to have. All right. Number three for you guys. The ability to take away anybody else's special ability or power. So if they're within my vicinity, God, you are just, these are the laziest damn things ever. I just want to sap your powers. I just want to teleport. Let's hear you. That's the lamest thing. Like, all of this is lazy. It's lazy. You're not doing any work. Well, why would you want to? Let's just go on. You knowing that you're already going to win the fight. I've already thought it through. I've teleported in. I've teleported out. You can't use your abilities. Let's go get some pizza. All right, Tony, what's your third to one? I heard one. I want to be able to travel interdimensionally. I would just get lost and go on many adventures. You go back to overanalyzing everything. That's me. Hey, if this is not working out, maybe there's something a little bit better in the next one. Who knows? You never know. You seem like somebody you who's know? never satisfied. Um, that is that you're you're pretty spot on on that. Yeah, <laughs> and and you're lazy. So there you go. All right, we're gonna wrap this uh, pop quickies with one more question. This past weekend, we had the passing of Sean Connery. So I want to ask you guys, what was your favorite Sean Connery movie? Ooh, mm. I I love Sean Connery. I got mine. I had to think about mine, but uh, I've did got you? I, for me, it's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Lazy again. How can my opinion be lazy? Sean Connery as Indiana Jones's father, really acting like a father would. You know, kind of calling his son out for 
for stuff in Andy wanting to impress his dad and help him on this last crusade. I would love to go on an adventure like that with my father. I really would. And that movie meant a lot to me. I saw it with my dad uh, in a drive-in. And I'm I'm sorry for you're lazy. No, no, it's all right. I am lazy, but but not about this one. (laughs) That that movie was awesome. It was funny. I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I like Harrison Ford and them adding Sean Connery to the cast. Pretty cool. All right, Tony, what about yours? I would have to go with his Oscar winning performance in The Untouchables as Jim Malone. That was a great role. I had completely forgot about that role until somebody had brought that up. And I was like, yes, that is the role because he was a a mentor. He won an Oscar for that. It was, it was just, it was great. And if you think about it, that movie had like all of these huge actors in it. There was Kevin Costner. There was also Robert De Niro and the fact that he could hold his own. And he was just a badass in that movie as well. I mean, I I seriously thought you were going to bring up like he was the voice of the dragon and dragon heart or something. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) and that wraps this episode of the knowledge of nothing and i want to give a quick shout out to all of our early listeners for giving us such amazing feedback we listen to each and every one of them and hopefully we will do our best to try to incorporate that into our future shows thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week we are your con men tony and brian thank you everybody see you later